Welcome spooks and spirits, ghouls and ghosts. Take a seat around the campfire. But beware, this podcast is haunted. Love it. Oh. And now it's time to do our podcast. Do you want to talk about ghosts? Jen, you know I have always do. We're holding you. <laughs> Let's start it up. Wow. Look at Apologies us. to Disney. Oh, no apologies. You should hire us. <laughs> um, oh, man. I am psyched to record today. How about you? I'm, I'm feeling good. You know what? It is sunny out and that... Uh, the sunshine and the like above freezing temperatures. I'm a true Michigander. Like this is, I'm like, there's hope. Right. <laughs> it got it got over 40 degrees and everybody was like opening their windows. I know. I've just been like staring outside. Well, we've, we have been going on walks too, but like just like, oh my god, it's sunny. How out. lovely has the it's sun happening. been though? Like it really has lifted. I was in a truly foul mood. Me too. Oh yeah. man, I was like. Ugh. I try not to take it out on Dan because it's super not his fault that my body is broken in just all these fascinating ways. Mm. I tried to make avocado toast today. How'd that go? Not strong <laughs> enough to smash avocados. I got Gambit a new squeaky toy. I got him BarkBox. Uh-huh. And uh, one of the squeaky toys was shaped like um, like it's like a crinkle bag of potato chips with Aww. two corduroy potato, smiling potato chips that oh. have squeakers. No. I am oh. not strong enough to squeeze the squeakers. Oh, no. I know. Oh, it's no. really pathetic. Um, so I was I was so mad. Like, I'm just feeling so limited and angry. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, I didn't believe in that I would ever be affected by anything as lame as the weather. Yeah. And then it was sunny for a week. And suddenly I'm like, it's going to be all right, guys. I had a, basically the same thought um, like a couple of weeks ago. Um, my boss was like, are you okay? And I was just like, no. <laughs> no, I'm not. Thank you for asking. I'm not. Thank you. Um, but I just like had that realization of like, it had just been like a couple of weeks of like, just, you know, winter, like the, the worst it's been this year, um, yeah. which is not saying much. This is a pretty mild winter, all things considered. But Very like, true. I just had this kind of, well, you might not get this reference, but there's a part in the in Lord of the Rings where Legolas is, is drinking heavily and then has this moment of realization of like, oh, I think it's affecting me. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I felt like. Um, just like you just go for so long in the dreariness and you're just like, everything's fine. And then you have this moment of realization of like, no, it's not. <laughs> and then the sun comes out and you're like, oh my God, is this what serotonin feels like? <laughs> One drop of serotonin, please, may, sir, may I have some more? As a treat. <laughs> just a little, a little song. I actually went, um, for the amount of time that I was bed bound, which is about mm-hmm. three months. Um, I, you know, often not, not like strictly bed bound, like profoundly, sure. but, uh, for the most part, laying down for three yeah. months. Yeah, wild. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, but anyway, um, the I got a sun lamp, and I actually think it kind of helped me uh, keep positive mm-hmm. uh, through the horse shit that ha- was 2020 and the first part of 2021. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, here's to, um, some cautious optimism. Yeah. <laughs> for springtime. I always feel bad for our 
people who listen who are not in the United States. Yo. Like, shit is getting real hairy here, guys. We I'm are so, not okay. Like, uh, yeah, I feel like someone a while ago commented, like, wow, I've been listening, I've been catching up, and like, this has been a rough year for y'all. <laughs> like, I didn't dance. realize. Well, I bet and you know, you... it's not even just like our personal struggles, it's also yeah. just like the state of things. Yeah, I bet if you binge through like the past two years of this podcast, like, it's probably a wild <laughs> time. Right. Like, just measure our, our downward spiral. <laughs> <laughs> I refuse, uh, refuse, refuse to continue our downward spiral, though. Things are going to no. get better. Yeah. So help me, God. So help me. <laughs> Uh, yeah. All right. So, but anyway, remember how we started this sentence with we're really excited to record today? We are. We are. We are very excited. Um, yes. We're covering more of my favorite. Well, they're not really my favorite things. There's something that I hold in great respect and fear. <laughs> yeah. uh, because as you know, I'm an indoor cat. Uh, and so we are talking more about national parks. Yeah. Yeah, we are, huh? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> national parks scare the shit out of me. I don't like being isolated in nature it makes it's one of the few things that makes me anxious Mm, like if i I can't see like a building or a house or signs of like human life i go zero to 40 not okay yeah i whenever i do go camping i've spent a a fair amount of my uh youth camping like glamping like camping but glamping um and I, I do start to get to a point now where I start counting how many hours it's been since I've been properly inside. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I, I love the outdoors. I love nature. I would not describe myself as a particularly outdoorsy person. Uh, but I would definitely say you're more outdoorsy than me. Yes, yes. I'll, I'll, I'll grant you that. I do enjoy nature. I just am not... I would, I'm not very good at surviving in nature. I bet you you could if you had to, though. You are pretty resourceful, and you're not uh, a dummy. I mean, we'll see. Well, I mean, I think I'm pretty resourceful in that I'm not an idiot of, like, oh, let's, like, do something completely reckless. Like, I'm very accident-averse. Um, adver- I don't know how you would, if that's the right word, but, like, sure. I do not take unnecessary risks. Um, so... Yeah, there's that. But as far and like I, I, I can build a fire if I have the proper resources like uh, kindling and some kind of fire starter. Like I, I'm like, a, I can start a fire if I've got a lighter kind yes. of person. I'm not right. like a flint and steel or a stick <laughs> rubbing together. I have definitely tried to use a flint and steel. It yeah. can be done, but it requires more strength and practice than you think. It's really about speed of hand. I, I fully believe that. Yeah, mm-hmm. we um there used to be in the Ed room actually flint and steel to use to like mm. show how to do a spark. And it's really hard. I bet. So I as you know I'm a, am a huge fan of Survivor the show and uh-huh. I have always fantasized about being on the show. Um and then I remember that I am a completely delicate flower who would die just from being hungry <laughs> i can't even leave you in the sun too long can i, I know. like i know literally i thought about that and i was like if they don't actually give any of the contestants like any sunscreen I, there's no way there's yeah. no way i could do that because you i would know just be a tumor like there wouldn't be any part of you be, left i would be a walking blister oh. uh, <laughs> i've seen people like like I spent some time in Louisiana and like anyone who was around my complexion, luckily I spent most of my time inside. So I avoided this, but like anyone who was outside for more than like, you know, 
a few hours was just had so was covered in blisters oh that's a nightmare yeah my kind are not meant to be out in the sun that long like we're the people who evolved to be in the north in like glacier glare yeah (laughs) so i'm a little more southern than you are but i'm also smart and i like air conditioning so yeah that too that too more than anything though i really respect these parks, these these huge, huge acreage of America um, that are really completely wild. There are yeah. parts that have not seen recorded human footprints in, you know, that we know of. In, yeah. And it's scary. <laughs> I know. Yeah, so I don't, yeah, I don't know how other countries really re- can relate. To, I, was, I think maybe Australia. Australia oh, yeah. can oh, relate they would to get this. It. Because they've got, I mean, it's a whole different place down there. Yeah, the outback is also terrifying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I bet, like, I mean, people in Europe, it's like that much open space is not a thing. Yeah, I mean, where would they put it? Where exactly? I bet you China would understand as well, though they have some pretty wild wilds. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we are uh, we we're talking about the national parks uh, mostly because I bullied you into changing it. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So guys, I came up and I was like, hey, Jen, let's talk about my favorite part of national parks, the Appalachian Trail. Mm -hmm. And Jen's like, yeah, 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 cool. I'm going to talk about Yosemite. (laughs) And I was like, Jennifer, that's not how themes work. You were just like, no. (laughs) I was like, oh, I found this really interesting article. It talks about something in the West. So maybe you can like uh, kind of expand it and just talk about national parks. And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So we're doing the Appalachian Trail, right? And and we can do the West like next time. And I was like, no. (laughs) <laughs> and you were like, what if you don't make me do more research and what we just do it this I, way? Yeah, like, what if I found a story that I want to talk about and I don't want to find another one? <laughs> yeah. And I, I rolled right over. I was like, all right. I'm Listen, a roaster, though. This, <laughs> this show is made up. <laughs> there are no rules. We make the rules. But I like we a theme, set, Jen. We set all the parameters. There, No one said that we had to keep to a single theme except us. <laughs> right. And it makes me happy. It makes my brain go... And that's fine. And I found a theme that works. <laughs> but you just want to be mad about it. <laughs> Someday you'll be like, oh, the theme is human experience. And then it just encompasses everything. And I'm like, Jennifer. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I'm feeding the beast here. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, yeah, so I'm going to talk about Yosemite. And specifically, I'm going to talk about some mysterious disappearances. I hate it already. I hate it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, buckle up because I have to admit this is not the most satisfying story I've ever found. I got really excited. Um, So, okay. Have you seen there's this kind of um, graphic? It's not quite a meme, but it's like there's this graphic that makes its rounds on social media occasionally um, where you see a map and it's like, here's a map of all the... Um, unexplained, you know, mysterious, unsolved disappearances um, in the U.S. And then there's another map, and it's like, here's the cave system in the U.S. And you look, and, like, the dots, they match. They line up. No. Have you seen this? Have you not seen this? No. Why would I look at things that terrify me? Well, because... Except for I do that all the time. I don't know. Um, Yeah, so that's a graphic that makes its way around. And, yeah, if you look at those two, they line up. It's spooky because we've got a lot of caves, and who knows what's in those caves? I think there's um, 
just an ingrained fear of <laughs> what's lurking in the depths, and I understand it. Um, so that map is produced by a gentleman named um, David uh, Polides, I think is how you pronounce his name. He is, he calls himself the foremost expert in national park disappearances and has claimed to have spent uh, over 7,000 hours researching missing, missing persons cases um, by, you know, through records and talking to loved ones and uh, that kind of thing. Um, so he's, he created this map and he also wrote a book called, or Missing 411, which I'm not sure where that number comes from because that's not the number of total disappearances. I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah, it's actually closer to, um, like, I have a number somewhere. Um, about 1,600 people. <laughs> um, there are about uh, 1,600 missing persons cases linked to public land, which is 100 or 640 million acres, or 28% of land in the U.S. is publicly owned. Did you know that? I did not. That's a lot. I think that counts, um, like, highways and railroads and, um, like, city... Property. Oh, city like I think and... it I think it counts like any land that in the US sense. that is not privately owned. Yes. Um, okay. Which is a lot. Like that is I mean, yeah. It makes sense when you start kind of breaking it down into like there's a lot of land that's owned by a public government entity. Um so yeah, the, he has this this theory that like there's all these people that going missing on public land and he made this map now the map and i'm like i want to be very clear about this because like there's there's fun theories that we could come up with but i think this guy is kind of full of shit (laughs) oh so let me explain Um, so that map that he made is not every single disappearance it's uh he's kind of like editing some of the data oh so he's he's talking about disappearances on public land he's excluding like large metropolitan areas um and he's i don't know yeah he's kind of has some like more specific parameters on that map that make that kind of manipulate the data to make it look more suspicious than it really is um so yeah i'm highly kind of suspicious of this guy but he is uh very well known in the field of national parks disappearances because he has spent so much time studying this so it's kind of impossible to look into any of these cases without running into him (laughs) that's really interesting yeah so uh so i'm going to focus on one case in particular which um is one of the most well-known um, cases of someone an unexplained disappearance um, and so my main jumping off source uh, for this was an article from vice um, how america's national parks became hotbeds of paranormal activity huh. right <laughs> that's the uh, that's the article i saw and i was like nope i like this i'm going with this <laughs> you can't convince me otherwise sure sure uh, <laughs> um and I know people have like varying opinions of Vice and whatever. Um, I'm a fan. 
Yeah, it. I feel like they're kind of hit or miss for me. Like, sometimes it's very interesting and useful. Sometimes it feels very sketchy. I feel like this one is maybe one of the sketchier ones. Um, so it, the, that article focuses uh, or um, starts off with the story of Stacy Ann Aris. Um, she was um, 14 years old and on a trip to Yosemite with her father um, in 1981. Um, and she um, and her father and a group of six people were on a tour group um, that rode um, on horseback up into the mountains um, and ending in Sunrise High Sierra Camp, um, which is uh, it's a it's a camp that's part of the park. It was built in 1961. It's um, 9,400 feet above sea level. It's the Jesus. Yeah, it's the final stop on your 70s mountain chalet loop. Um, so this is like, this is a site that's um, well known in the park and, and it's like an established place that you can go. And it's got like cabins to stay in. It's got a bathhouse, a cooking house, a dining room. Um, and there's several small trails and lakes around. Um, and it's also pretty densely forested. So this is. Um, this is where they are on July 17th, uh, 1981. They arrive um, at the camp. Um, so it's like, it's an established place, but it's also like um, secluded. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, you've got to, it's only accessible by horseback um, through the wow. trails. Yeah, so this is like pretty in the middle of nowhere. Um, so they arrive at the camp and they start settling in stacy takes a shower and changes clothes and starts unpacking um and then she tells her father that she wants to photograph a nearby lake that's over a bluff um and um i'm there's it's interesting because there's a bunch of kind of like discrepancies in the facts of this case which like i'm kind of confused about so like some people say like um well, she had a, her last conversation with her father was that he was telling her like, oh, you need to change your shoes because she was wearing flip-flops um, after her shower. Mm-hmm. And so he tells her, oh, you need to change into your hiking boots. And I guess she does because she's like last known to be wearing hiking boots. Um, also, there's people saying like, how would she know she wanted to go to the lake? Because you can see the lake from the campsite. Um but I don't know, maps exist. So <laughs> maybe she just <laughs> knew it was there. Um, I don't know. Um, so she she says, I want to go take photos of this lake. Um, her dad uh, declines to join her, but another elderly uh, man decided to go with her. Uh, he's like in his, his 70s. Um, so he goes with her a little ways down the path, um, but then he stops to rest and she continues on. Um, and this trail is like maybe a mile and a half. Um, so it's not that long, but it is kind of, you know, like in the woods and in the mountains and winding. Mm-hmm. So you never know. Um, at, back at the camp, the, the group's tour guide sees her standing on a rock about 50 yards south of the trail, which again, I like that seems to be a very established sighting of her. But if you can't see the lake, I don't know. I'm just confused. Maybe the the rock is, like, sitting pretty high above the lake. Another person sees the, the like, 70-year-old guy sitting on the rock as she walks on. So he is, like, not suspected here, (laughs) just to be clear. Um, 
but that is the the sighting of her from the tour guide is the last official sighting um, because she didn't return after a few minutes um, so the older man um, gets a little worried and goes back to the camp and enlists the others to help look for her um so how old is she again she's 14 yeah um so he he comes back and and says like i'm worried she hasn't come back um and it's been a few minutes so it's unclear exactly how much time passed but it seems like it wasn't that long um and the people at the camp immediately like jump up to help look for her um no one could find her even though all the sources say it was only a matter of minutes jesus yeah um and they um they quickly call in um other resources um the park rangers the mountain rescue association gets involved um they get volunteer dogs helicopters um and they canvass a three to five square mile radius around the lake um and um, the only clue that is found is her camera lens. No. Yeah. What what condition was it in? Um, it doesn't say. And there's also people who kind of wonder if it was the the lens cap. Oh. Um. Yeah, I found. I think the official source says camera lens, and that's a very different thing <laughs> from right. from a, a lens, lens cap. cap. Like everybody everyone loses a lens cap at some point in time but like losing your lens is like a bit more of a thing because you have to like you don't usually take that off (laughs) unless you're like changing lenses um or if something is violently attacking you and like it gets knocked off or still like that's a weird one thing to leave behind i don't know um yeah there's that's a very i that's the thing that has me wondering if maybe it was just the lens cap because that is much more easily knocked loose. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Um, so, yeah. And the, it was 1981, so I'm sure. 1981. Shoddy police work and. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, yeah, it says there was like over 100 people on this search. The, so that it was like dry and dusty, so the dogs were not able to pick up any scent. Oh. Um so that's kind of all that they were able to find. Um, there was there was an article that was published in the the Fresno Bee, uh, which is the nearest city in California that that said that she might have been having some uh, struggle or like personal struggles with her boyfriend or something. But like again, this is nine thousand feet above sea level in a secluded park part of the park so i um i don't know so they just attributed it to a young woman having some sort of romantic issue yeah i think that when hmm. that that part seems to be pretty um easily dismissed as bullshit um, gross it's yeah. gross yeah so um uh, so there are a few possible theories of what might have happened the first being she wandered off um like yeah this is where the the Fresno Bee was like, oh, maybe she was just distraught and wa- and decided to leave or something. I think that's dumb. Uh, or samples. Yeah. Even if you're distraught, you don't necessarily, like, wander. You know, like, you're not so distraught that you lose your bearings. I mean... Uh, stop acting like women are stupid, newspapers. Yeah. I mean, it is possible <laughs> um, to... I mean... <laughs> to, I yeah, I you can get... 
you can certainly lose yourself in dense vegetation, which is what they said. It's thickly yeah. forested. Absolutely, mm-hmm. but that has that could happen to anybody, no matter what their emotional state. I, yeah, I think. Well, I think it can happen to anyone, and I think I think it is possible for your emotional state to like kind of cloud your your concentration and judgment. Yes. Um, I wouldn't necessarily put it on this. Um, I think um, it's just such a quick the, and handy thing. Yeah, the most likely theory for if she wandered off is that um, the rock she was standing on is about like fifty yards off the trail. Uh Um, and so people were theorizing that, like, you know, it's, it's not always easy to retrace your steps sometimes. Um, and so you, you might have a hard time finding the trail again, or even when you do find the trail, like, it's hard to say, like, if you would exactly know which direction you came from, there's multiple lakes in that area. So like, oh, always having the lake to one side of you is also not uh guarantee going to yeah it's not a guarantee of being able to find your way um and so yeah there's i think honestly that's my uh (laughs) most likely scenario for this i think just i don't know it could be but then again the the thing that kind of discounts that is if they came and searched for her within a few minutes and were like yelling out her name You'd think if she just wandered off, like, she would have heard it. Because uh, the trail's not that long. Um, yeah, but wood distorts sound. It can amplify. It can redirect. It, if you're shouting yeah. in the woods, it sounds different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, this makes me sad. I know. I'm sorry. I was, uh, I was depressing. But then sometimes you bring the depressing shit, so. It's true. I like to lean into my own sadness. Yeah. yeah. Um, so did they ever find her body? They have not ever found her um yeah um foul play has not been ruled out um that there are some people th- say that like oh someone could have posed as a person offering help like oh you're lost let me help you um and then suddenly they're ariel castro and you're a young woman locked in some ohio basement for 13 exactly years. yeah um and and that kind of like would fit with the like that's why she didn't respond to anyone any search parties um I don't know, like, you'd have to be a person not, like, again, this is a very uh, secluded area, so I'm I'm not sure who's just randomly walking around there. <laughs> like, that seems like a pretty bad place to, uh, like, troll for victims. I don't know. Um, there's just a lot of easier places to find uh, people. <laughs> so, I don't know, I'm kind of skeptical of that. And or another like kind of likely scenario is that she could have just fallen somewhere and gotten injured. Um, The number one cause of death in the national parks is drowning. Um, Really? Yeah. Did you know that? That's no. uh, (laughs) Apparently, that is that is the case, Um, and and that makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's definitely some kind of accident. Would be. I mean, how many people get? How many people die in the Grand Canyon from just? falling over the edge and i saw so many people in the grand canyon sitting in very dangerous places taking selfies and it's so scary don't do that people (laughs) don't do that i am not and we covered that when we covered the 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 fucking big hole in the ground in arizona why can't i remember the word grand canyon thank you jesus (laughs) kidney brain kidney brain sorry Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm 
Yeah, yeah. Don't, big hole you, in the ground in Arizona. Big, 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 big old hole. Um, I mean, I'm not wrong. Like, <laughs> you're not. No. You're anyway, right. sorry. Um, yeah. So I think that is a somewhat likely situation. Although you would think that, like, if you fall and drown, you'd tend to float. And not like, always. Yeah, not always. So like, it could have. She could have gotten fallen in and then like gotten stuck under the water and just never surfaced. So that is probably pretty likely. Um, but yeah, or or it could be Bigfoot. Um, <laughs> I thought Bigfoot was more Pacific Northwest. So Bigfoot is everywhere. Oh, good! Um, Everybody lock your doors. Everyone lock your doors. Um, the yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> so when I was uh, talking about uh, David uh, Polides, he's very in- interested in people going missing, partially because oh no, he's secretly a Bigfoot uh, believer. So does he yeah. think Bigfoot uses a cave system to grab people? I don't know. I think he just has like a lot of different theories. So he he. Um, says that he got interested in um, all these disappearances when he was talking, when he was visiting one of the national parks and he was talking to a park ranger um, and they got on the topic of people who go missing in the national parks. And he says that the ranger said that, you know, the events were very unusual. Many people are never found and the park service was doing everything possible to keep a lid on the publicity surrounding the missing. This is what David says, the park ranger says. I, uh, okay. (laughs) Um, And he explained that non-law enforcement employees weren't privy to all the information, but that the upper echelon law enforcement supervisors inside the park service were concerned about the numbers and certain facts surrounding specific cases. So there's this whole theory that the National Park Service is covering up the number of people who go missing in the parks. And I and this is a theory that covers more than just Yosemite. This is this covers all the national parks basically. Um they they think that there's just this like conspiracy among the people at the national parks to cover up the people that go missing because I don't know, they don't want it known that it, the national parks are that dangerous. Um because they don't want to like curb any tourism, that kind of thing. Um, it's true that the park service has been like not great about being transparent about this. Um, I <laughs> I think it's because of bureaucracy. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. So they they just didn't for a while. They just really didn't keep very good records of it like they would have kind of like paper records of things but like you have to understand that like when someone goes missing or there's like kind of like foul play it's not the national park service job to investigate that all the time like they call it law enforcement and that's the job of law enforcement to keep those records right right like (laughs) it's not like the national park service is not an investigative branch of the government certainly not um no they are uh, in charge of protecting land and taking care of wildlife if you were the butler of an estate Mm -hmm. and somebody went missing on your estate don't you think the butler would want to be involved in making sure that person is safe 
Yes. However, if there's like, yeah, I mean, I think they all have an interest in it. It's not like they don't care. It's just that like there's so there's there's so many people there's so many park rangers involved there's so many different rescue services and like when when something goes wrong you call the you know the police and like yeah they do keep records of people who go missing but it wasn't ever their job to be the repository of all these records right absolutely um and so when people people will submit um uh freedom of information act requests or foia um requests um because that's that's how that works in the u.s is like you you can submit a request for information to any government um organization and they have to give you a response and so the responses that have been received by people you know submitting requests from the national park services have been kind of what they say are described as kind of cagey it's more like yeah we just don't have any records of that i personally just think that the they're archival system is shit mm-hmm. <laughs> because i have worked for <laughs> a records organization let me tell you um so so post 9 11 there was a digital database uh created for incident um and criminal reports that's called i am r i am ars i don't know what it stands for um, but it was created to enable all interior law enforcement agencies to use a common department-wide reporting and records management system that can provide secure, accurate, reliable, and timely law enforcement information necessary to more effectively carry out our interior's public safety, homeland security, and resource protection missions. That's good. Um, that is good. Uh, according to reports of um, actual government employees, though, that it is a shit program that is buggy and poorly made. Oh. Which, again, does not surprise me. Sad. <laughs> Folks, our government is hugely inefficient, and that is probably 90% of why responses are so vague, is because they just don't have a... Pr- like, I'm thinking to how our um, not-government-run... Uh, artifact database works at the museum and folks it's very difficult to find information um so yeah people interpret that as being very suspicious i interpret it as being a product of inefficiency and bureaucracy Mm -hmm. more than anything um and again i don't think it's necessarily the national park service's job to um keep all the records of the investigations on these things because yes it happens on their public land but it's like if someone dies on your property like you're not in charge of knowing everything about that crime it's right. the police's job <laughs> so, well stated yes yeah so the same i think is true for the national park service obviously they're they have an interest in it obviously they help um any way they can and they have uh, emergency services involved and they have rescue services um, but it's not their job to figure out what happened in the aftermath necessarily so yeah um so that's what i i just wanted to like put that out there because a lot of people call the nps shady and like i mean I've, they've got a lot to worry about i don't think that they're really like, a lot like a huge amount they have so much to worry about and in my experience working with government employees and government systems like this is that you just never have enough manpower to fully have a full handle on what's going on. Right. And one so. of the reasons is because we're not willing to pay for our government. You know, the exactly. reason that that software is out of date is because nobody's paid for updates. 
Yeah, and it's also because even if you do have the money, like, like I, I'm, I know the NPS is not a huge part of the the government budget, and um, and my experience was working with the National Archives system, um, and like the National Archives basically has essentially as much money as they need. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a tiny part of the budget, and like anytime people talk about cutting stuff like arts programs, it's like why first of all it's already only one percent of the budget it's it's such a tiny part of the budget and like i mean maybe there could be some fat trimmed but like mm, look at the military that's not like your priority 23 percent of our national budget right yeah but like even if they do have the funding is there's just so many bureaucratic steps involved in doing anything that it like absolutely discourages any innovation any like hey let's do this quickly there's nothing quickly done in the government system like everything like even setting up a twitter account for a government office is a nightmare um so i i fully believe that like this uh inefficient system is like they all know that is hugely inefficient and bad um and it's just a huge struggle to fix it so um but anyway i was talking about bigfoot (laughs) 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 then i got off on one of my topics that i'm passionate about which is government bureaucracy um (laughs) so yeah so this david polities that's i think how it's pronounced um he is kind of a secret Bigfoot person. Um, he he has this theory that um, there are um, what he calls clusters um, in the U.S. where it's like geographical clusters where people will go missing in um, abnormally large um, amounts. And that's kind of where he's making the connection of like, oh, it's the cave system or, oh, it's the national parks. Um, and so he kind of like is interested in mapping out where all these disappearances happen. And he's also um, keeping tabs on like the circumstances around their disappearances. Um, so he's he's um, identified uh, 28 different clusters of missing persons at national parks across the US. Um, and uh, he's uh, listed some commonalities, including people like, quote, melting into their clothing, Ugh. which I assume just means that they just found a missing person's clothing um, and not the body, um, which, like, if you go swimming commonly, you would remove your clothes. And the number one cause of death in the parks is drowning. Okay. Um, also... A common um, thing that happens when you are freezing to death is that you, your mind plays tricks on you and you end up removing your clothing because you start getting warm right before you freeze. Um, so that's a thing that happens. Um, so he also points out that children with disabilities are overrepresented among missing people. There's probably some reason for that, but I don't want to, I don't want to assume. <laughs> so right. um, yeah, that's a thing. And then he also just claims that storms tend to hit after someone goes missing, I think. Okay. Like, I don't know. Oh, right. Okay. Well, you know, dropping weather can disorient people. As the barometer changes, you sort of... Yeah. Yeah. That could happen. Um, or maybe the natural, the storms is part of the reason why they're missing. Um, because they got caught in a storm um, and died. Um, 
And then he also uh, says that people tend to disappear. People who disappear and are found are often found by berry bushes, or they often go missing while picking berries. Um, and he says the connection between some disappearances and berries cannot be denied. <laughs> uh, and so I was just like, if you were missing, if you're lost for a period of time and you found, like, like what would be your number one concern is, like, food. So I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. there, is some, there is some sketch there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't know what, like, the Bigfoot thing is where, like, I, there's a lot of stuff that's been written about Bigfoot. Like, there's, no one can seem to agree on, like, where Bigfoot started. Like, some people cite 1958 was the first, like, published, like, real theory of Bigfoot. Some people say it came in the 1920s after people were starting to climb Mount Everest and thought they saw the, it came from the Yeti, which was, you know then transferred to the um to north america there are also stories from native american um or indigenous um excuse me um legends that describe something like bigfoot and i think sasquatch is an indigenous word so yes yeah so it kind of goes back uh, a long ways i don't i don't know that i ever saw claims that like bigfoot is murderous <laughs> but no. so like i'm not sure what bigfoot would have to do with these disappearances um but it is just kind of something that people kind of tend to like jump to when they're talking about mysterious disappearances is like well maybe it has something to do with uh cryptid in the area and i think uh, i've never been much of a bigfoot believer but um i think it just has more to say about like society's fear of the unknown and open spaces <laughs> the unknown the open spaces and things that kind of look like us but kind of don't yeah which i think and there's a pretty great tumblr post about this mm-hmm. uh that i read into <clears throat> uh playing into the uncanny valley and why we're uncomfortable with things that look too human mm-hmm. uh, it goes all the way back to our our species distrust and eventual eradication of neanderthals yeah look like us kind of but oh we're a danger yeah why would there be this this worldwide genetic uncomfortableness with creatures that look human but not quite human and not quite Mm -hmm. human enough or yeah it's like a human it's like a fascination um but also like a fear like yes people are uncomfortable that like we are very closely related to chimps and like other like primate species and it's like well i don't know it makes people get uncomfortable (laughs) um for for various reasons well i mean Um, you're you're afraid of the other because you can't you don't know it and you can't trust it and and mm -hmm. that has been well and you question like their intelligence and their like their strength and like your ethics in consuming animals and there's just all kinds of different absolutely issues. there's a lot to it yeah so i don't i don't really know what the i i don't know like bigfoot kept kind of coming up in stories like this but there's not really any like clear connection to the disappearances specifically yeah i guess that's all i really have to say about that well while we're talking about the other mm-hmm. let me bring up the thing that spurred this yeah cannibalism so Jen, as you recall, when we first started talking about this, there was a popular TikTok that had gone yes. viral. Um, also, 
our friendship has devolved into just Jen and I sending each other TikToks back and forth. I think many people, like, this is a true sign of quarantine is that, yes. like, mo- the way that most of us communicate now is just by sending each other TikToks. Like, that's 90% of my conversation with Laura, too, is just like, yeah, look at this. And, and like, I, I kind of take great pride in, like, seeing a TikTok and being like, which person should I send this to? <laughs> Well, I'm very flattered every time you send one to me. Okay. Um, But okay, so the original TikTok, and I'm sorry, I didn't write down the person's name. I wasn't able to... TikTok has a terrible search algorithm. I really hate it. Yeah, it's really hard. Like, I always try to like videos that I want to see again, but then it just goes into this, like, endless repository that's completely unsorted of it's unsearchable, and you're just like, okay, I'll never see this again. Like, that's... if I'll send you stuff that's immediately relevant to the pod, and then I can search through our chat and find it, but yeah, otherwise it's hopeless. And then sometimes those get deleted. (laughs) Yeah, fun. Um, So anyways, this original post... Uh, was um, somebody looking out over an expanse of... They look like younger mountains, so I assume the Rockies. Um, and they are posting... I don't believe there was any actual verbiage. It was just like a series of like captures mm-hmm. of like text on the screen. And they were talking about how they heard a horrible screaming in the night. Ooh. And it went on for a long time. They called the police and... Um, Wait, you called... said this was in the Rockies? I think so. I, I, some mountain... You know that's the West one, though, right? I do, yes. Okay. Yes. Because you were yelling at me about talking about the West. I know. <laughs> this is just how it starts, Jen. You have to follow, follow. Okay. <laughs> trust so, the process. Trust the process. Uh, so the they, per, they call the cops back the next day and ask if anything was done about it, and they find out that the cops never even followed up on the call because it's such a common thing mm. to hear screaming in the parks. Ooh. So then somebody stitched that. Mm-hmm. Uh, she said that she lived on the edge of a national park and that it was very likely a cannibal horde mm-hmm. uh, or a group of feral people yeah. that grab hikers and sometimes eat them. Okay. And I was like, excuse me, the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. So, I, yeah, I, I saw that one, too. Yeah, and it was because I think she's she's on the edge of the Smokies, right? Yes. So which that's are... what brings us west, or east. Um, yes, the Great Smoky Mountains, which I've been in. I actually went camping in the Great Smoky Mountains. Um, I've driven through pretty. them. Yeah, it's gorgeous. gorgeous. I love Appalachia. I, as do I, and Jen, we're going to talk some more about why you probably love Appalachia, because it's so pretty and cool. Yes. Um, but we'll get to that. Hang on. I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay. I have two pages just, of notes here. I'm extremely I'm excited. excited. I, oh, whoa, synergy. <laughs> so uh, that's what she, she lived on the edge of the Great Smoky Mountains, as we recall. And she said, yeah, <laughs> bands of feral people live mm. in the Great Smoky Mountains. Uh, so that brought us to the Appalachian Trail. Uh, I'm really excited about the Appalachian Trail. I've read a couple books about it. I mm. think that it's very cool. And I'd like to share with you a lot of information about the Appalachian Trail. Um, you, I, I want to I point out that you're, you're saying it like, uh, like a noob. Appalachian. <laughs> Oregon. <laughs> I, I grew up saying Appalachian too. And I, and I it's Appalachian? Of, it's Appalachian. I'm not going to um, say that. It sounds... And I, it sounds I posit- too southern for me. I'm afraid, and I'm yeah. I can't Michigan. tell if like the reason why I say apple, where I, why I grew up saying Appalachian was because that's how the North says it, or but it's because like Appalachia is like 
more of a mid-Atlantic pronunciation, I feel sure. like. But I could be completely making that up. But yeah. m- the most kind of widely accepted pron- correct pronunciation is Appalachia. I don't know why I find that incredibly distasteful, but I'm just not going to say it that way. It's 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 my family's always said Appalachian. Okay. Well, the Appalachian Your trail. family doesn't know fuck all about Appalachian. <laughs> it's true. We make up our own shit. Uh, we have hiked a little bit of it. Hey. Okay. Okay. So... <laughs> Yeah, this is just the way I'm going to do it. And anybody who's got a problem, as always, is cordially invited to eat me. Uh, speaking of eating people. Yes. Yes. <laughs> see, see how that was slick? Mm. Um, so apparently there is a problem throughout all of the national parks mm-hmm. with feral humans who violently attack hikers. See, maybe this is the explanation for, for mine. Uh, yes. It's something to think about. Now, mm-hmm. okay, so as you, as we all know, my former roommate, Luke, uh, mm-hmm. who is a gem, he works closely in the national parks. Um, yeah, is he covering up this, these secrets? He's not covering them. He's saying mm-hmm. that this really happens. What? Yes. Uh, so I texted him and I said, have you ever heard of cannibals in the national parks? Mm-hmm. Feral humans? And he says, yes, of course. That happens all the time. And no, I said, okay. What? Yeah, well. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, there was this freaky TikTok about cannibals in parks, and he says, it's not usually in the park. They like to grab people at the entrances. <laughs> it's less of a problem in California, but it's a bigger problem in Wyoming and Montana, and that's why everyone out there has guns. And then he sent me a picture of all of his guns and um, the oh, leather holsters okay. he's made for them, because okay. that's where he is right now. He leads trail rides uh, on horseback through those areas. Mm-hmm. And, like, that scares the shit out of me. (laughs) Yeah, that's terrifying. (laughs) So there's a number of things that make me uncomfortable about our national parks. It's it's man against nature, man against self, and then, yeah, man against man. And Um, there is that, like, um, one fun fact that that a lot of people cite where there is, like, a part of Yellowstone where it's, like, legally, like, gray, where, like, there's no kind of jurisdiction over that one spot. And so you can kind of technically legally kill someone there. (laughs) Great. Yeah. Super great. Just don't go there. <laughs> All right. Well, we're focusing on the trail. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I actually find the Appalachian Trail very moving. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually called the People's Trail. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is um, the largest grouping and oldest grouping of people working on a single conservation project anywhere in the world. That tracks. Isn't that cool? Yeah. So it was dreamed up in 1921, and it was actually completed. The final blaze uh, of all these sections connected in 1937. So it's relatively recent. Wow. Um, it's very difficult to maintain. You know, that um, makes sense, because that's around the time when people started, like, uh, yeah, having say, an interest like, going in hiking. Out, going outdoors for fun. Exactly. Like, before, before, like, the 1920s or, like, the 19-teens. Well, okay, the environmental movement started in, like, 1890. Walden. Yeah. Anyway, it, like yeah. people didn't. People used to avoid being outside. <laughs> and I liked that about them. Yeah. Uh, so the Appalachian Trail is just about two thousand two hundred miles. Mm-hmm. Um, it is the longest hiking only trail anywhere in the world. You're not allowed to take bikes. You're not allowed to take scooters or ATVs or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It is hiking only. Yeah. Um, the mountains themselves, uh, they certainly do get high, like they get very high above sea level, but nothing quite as high as the Rockies because these mountains are quite old. Yes, they're older than the Rockies. They're much older than the Rockies. In so fact, they're older fuck than North off America. People who are elitist about mountain height yeah. in the U.S. Like, 
the yeah the the east coast mountains are smaller but that's because they were there first it is distinctly possible that they were the first mountain range it's hard to prove but it's distinctly possible that the appalachian mountains were the first mountain range on earth wow that survived to this day fancy um so they estimate to be half a billion years old um and that they were actually they they're older than north america being it's in being its own thing Mm -hmm. Uh, originally we know from the look of the appalachian mountains that they look quite similar to the scottish highlands are you familiar with them (gasps) yes that's why all the highlanders settled there yeah, it is. Uh, we, for those of you who are fans of Outlander, mm-hmm. uh, they reference frequently that the American Appalachian Mountains, home to many, many, many Scottish descendants, mm-hmm. uh, were very comfortable for Highlanders because they reminded them of home. Which is also why the stereotype of um, Appalachian people started very early was because it was a, a carryover of English people being fucking snooty and rude to yes against Scottish Scottish Highlanders absolutely. So, so um, in fact, we know from geologic history that Scotland and uh, well, the British Isles generally, mm-hmm. um, and the United States and Canadian um, Appalachian Mountains are actually part of the same range that separated as the continents drifted apart. Oh, so it really is the same mountain range. Wow, that's so cool. Isn't that neat? Yeah. Um, so it actually runs through 14 different American states. Um, if you are an American citizen, a Canadian citizen, Mexico, somewhere else in the world, and you have the if you have the interest in hiking, I would really recommend hiking the Appalachian Trail. See, look, now, now you have me switching it. <laughs> um, it's truly beautiful. Um, it is roughly along the eastern seaboard, but it's never like... It's not on the coast. It's set it's back away. It's not quite coastal, no. Yeah. Um, but America's so large that... When we say the eastern seaboard, we mean like, you know, like well, within 300 miles be, of the coast. That was the original western border of the U.S. It certainly was. Yeah. Um, so it runs if through If we 14- had only kept to our goddamn treaties, that would have <laughs> stayed. The but western. no. Yeah. Um, so actually, one-fourth of the trail itself is just in the state of Virginia. Wow. It starts in Springer Mountain, Georgia, and it goes all the way up to Mount Katahdin, which is uh, Baxter Ridge. Um, or I'm sorry, Baxter Peak in Maine. So yes. you go from Georgia all the way up to Maine, mm-hmm. constantly hiking. Yeah. Uh, and along the way, you follow what are called blaze marks. Um, have you ever heard the phrase blazing a trail? Yes. So it's not that you yourself are this brilliant ball of light <laughs> going through and cutting your way through the woods. Mm-hmm. A blaze is something that something bright you put on a tree. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's a hatchet mark. Sometimes it's a paint stain. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it's a drawn symbol, whatever, a blaze. And those blazes mark your way through the Appalachian Trail. Uh, in this case, it's a roughly six inch by three inch rectangle of white paint mm-hmm. that they just place along trails so that you know that you're on the wrong, you know that you're on the right way. Which um, always terrifies me because like I just live in fear of like losing track of those. <laughs> you should be afraid of that. Um, they do the, the conservationists, uh, which is made up of, you know, more volunteers than anywhere in the world, Mm -hmm. including 31 individual conservation groups. They really do their best to mark things accurately and well, Mm -hmm. but there's overgrowth. Trees get felled. They get struck by lightning. Mm -hmm. Paint wears off. Um, and it's 2,200 miles. So it's a lot to keep up. Yeah. Um, and people do 
go off the trail. Mm-hmm. Uh, one woman who was uh, 66, we I found was just her. Thinking of her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we found her oh. body in 2015. Yeah, it was um, so sad. It was so sad. She kept herself alive for 26 days oh. before she finally succumbed. Oh. And she was only two miles from a trail. Oh, that's so. Oh, she was right upsetting. there, but it's yeah. so densely forested. Mm-hmm. In places, not everywhere. Sometimes you're walking through town. Sometimes you're walking through city streets. Mm-hmm. City is a pretty general term. It's not like you're walking New York. <laughs> no. Um, but little cities, like, they're called trail towns, like Damascus, Virginia, or Harpers Ferry, West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, Harpers Ferry, by the way, is roughly the halfway point. Uh, West Virginia is probably the only section of trail I'd be willing to walk. Um, <laughs> because there's only four miles of trail in West Virginia. <laughs> Oh. Just a teeny tiny corner. <laughs> there you go. You can just be like, well, I hiked all of the West Virginia. <laughs> exactly. I hiked all of West Virginia. Um, so actually, it's uh, the, the trail is broken up in a number of little ways. Mm-hmm. Um, some people are through hikers where they're going to start in one place and go all the way to the other from yeah. Baxter Peak to Springer Mountain or Springer Mountain to Baxter Peak. I've known people to do that. Yeah, most people start in Georgia at Springer Mountain mm-hmm. and they hike north to take advantage of the weather. Um, so they go the south north route. Ninety percent of people do that, but ten percent still go north to south. Mm-hmm. Um, they're also broken up into four general sections, and that's the southern mountains, which go through North Carolina, Georgia, that area. Mm-hmm. Um, the Virginia Highlands, uh, which is through Virginia, and half of the trail, or I'm sorry, a quarter of the trail is just through there. Um, what have I written here? Oh, uh, Shenandoah. Um, there's a number of Shenandoah. national parks along the way. Mm-hmm. Yep. Were you about to sing the song? Yes. Yeah, of course you were. Uh, and that'll take you up into the mid-Atlantic lowlands, so that's going to be getting in towards the Catskills and uh, Pennsylvania. Love the Catskills. The, aren't they gorgeous? Yes. And then finally, New England is the final segment and arguably the hardest segment. Mm. Uh, you would think that as you're approaching what is the end for most people, you know, yeah. you could relax. But no, they save the hardest for last. Well, and uh, I think a lot of that is based on weather, right? Because people will start in Georgia, like in the winter or very early spring, so right. that they can get the nicer, warmer weather longer. Yeah. <laughs> so they end in Maine in the summer instead of like the winter. Well, exactly. A lot of people who don't time it right, mm. um, you only have until the 15th of October to get mm. to Baxter's Peak. They will shut down the park and trails early, uh, no matter how many through through hikers are coming, um, because it just becomes unsafe. Parts of uh, Maine, re- some of the peaks uh, through Vermont and Maine, receive so much wind, it can be 200 miles an hour. People get blown wow. off the face of mountains. Oh, that is <laughs> Yeah. Terrifying. And you're walking with all this stuff packed high on your back. You're basically wearing a fucking parachute. Yeah. And then you're walking through 200 mile an hour winds. It's insane. Mm-hmm. Um, so the tallest peak is Klingman's Dome, and that's in the Great Smoky Mountains. It is 6,643 feet, so above sea, feet, above sea level. So mm-hmm. when you were saying that your thing was at 9,000 feet, I was like, God damn, all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's... That- Rockies are just taller. Or they are. Under. Yeah. Well, they're newer. Yeah. Um, you are constantly going up and down these mountain peaks. Uh, in fact, if you are a true through hiker and you go mm-hmm. all the distance, you have equivalently, you have the equivalency of hiking up and down Mount Everest 16 times. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just remembered also, it's not the Rockies, it's the Sierra Nevadas. <laughs> ah. Although, honestly, it's all kind of the same. They're all the same to me. 
Same. I just didn't want to get yelled at. <laughs> right. Um, if a walker is going to go through, uh, mm. it's going to take five or six months. Mm. And they are going to take five million footsteps on average. Holy shit. I know. Um, one of the biggest things that affects hikers is overpacking. Yes. So yeah. they, uh, if you've ever seen or read the book Wild, uh-huh. she does something that I find absolutely abhorrent. What <laughs> Go, goes outside on purpose? Well, that. <laughs> <laughs> and heroin. But no, what really yeah. upset me was that as she reads books, she tears off the parts that she's read yeah. because it lightens up her load. Listen, uh, books are I get replaceable. It. <laughs> I get it. But it just upset me on a very visceral level. Yeah, I would 100% do the same thing, though, because, hey, kindling and also lighter. Toilet paper. Toilet paper, kindling, yeah. You can use it for a lot of things. And, yeah. Paper is useful, man. And Um, books are so easy to come by. You can replace any book, essentially. (sighs) I know you're right, but it's still upsetting. Anyway. Uh, so, like I said, this was really hard to maintain. In fact, um, especially during war times and now during COVID, Ooh, yeah. uh, the people who maintain the trails are unable to keep up with trail maintenance. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, as soon as she was built, as soon as she was finished in 1937, she pretty much fell into disrepair. Uh, yeah. uh, so it took many years for anybody to become a through hiker, true through hiker. Um, the first through hiker wasn't until 1948. Wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So 11 years later. Huh. Okay. Um, and his name was Earl Schaefer. Um, he was a World War II veteran who had seen some shit. Yeah. I guess I would want to just walk <laughs> he in wanted, the wilderness. Yeah. That's exactly it. He wanted to walk the army out of his system. Yeah. He, in addition to the first one, being the first through hiker, he actually competed at two more times. The last one at 79 years old. Whoa. Yeah. And he is not the oldest one to have hiked uh, through. Um, the most famous is Granny Gatewood. Oh, my um, God. She's discussed in one of my favorite books by Bill Bryson, A Walk in the Woods, which is his discussion of the Appalachian Trail. Mm. She was 67 years old uh, mm. when she first completed it. Um, and she, the oldest person who ever completed it was 81. The youngest was five. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um <laughs> The fastest, <laughs> the fastest person to ever go uh, was Carl Saab, uh, who's mm-hmm. European. He did it in 41 days with a support team. So people would meet him at certain checkpoints along the way, check mm. his health, check his water, hand him new materials, things like yeah. that. Did he but have, the, like, the full pack and everything? Because, I mean, I guess, like, also the supply team could, like, kind of... I think it depends on which section them. he was at because... Yeah. There are some points, like when you hit the city of Damascus, which is one of the trail towns in Virginia, mm-hmm. where people have easy access to you. You are walking along the side of a technical yeah. like highway, but not like a highway, like a Chicago highway. Like a small town highway. <laughs> exactly, like a blue highway. <laughs> and uh, you know people can access them. But there are yeah. some days where you're so deep in the forest, nobody would be able to find you right. to get to you at a certain location, even with a satellite phone. Yeah. Um, so there was another person. Joe Stringbeam McConaughey, he did it in 45 days with absolutely no support team. He just Whoa. fucking hiked it. Whoa. Can you imagine? No, that's wild. So in the, what, 80 years since the trail has opened officially, uh, roughly 15,000 people have attempted hiking, doing mm. a through hike. Mm-hmm. Um, hundreds of thousands more do day hikes and sectional hikes. Yeah, that's what I would do. Yeah. Yeah, just do I'll, I'll, I've done a day hike. It's cute. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, do an if, overnight, like a, just pretend, like really go no. for it for, for a night, single night. Nope, you lose me there. No, thank okay. you. <laughs> That's as much as I've gone backpacking is one overnight. It seems like a hellscape. <laughs> but anyway, so 1,500 people, I'm sorry, 15,000 people have tried to do the um, entire through process. About one in four make it from one point of the trail to the other. Wow. Yeah. Now, along the way, you're going to meet a lot of people. Some of them pass you, some of you, some of them you'll pass, mm-hmm. but a lot of them you meet in what's called lean-tos. Yes. And lean-tos were created along the trail. They're three-sided structures, not quite cabins. They're, they're very much open to the elements, to rodents, things like that. Um, and each lean-to is where you can like kind of cover from the elements, you know, get out of the sun for a while, get out of the rain. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're very important. Um, and each one of them has a sign-in book. And these sign-in books are maintained by our trail volunteers, and they're really wonderful artifacts um, where you get stories, pictures, sketches, and then sign-ins. And when we sign in, people typically use their trail names. So a lot of people hike in anonymity. Yes. So they choose a trail name, something that's like, they can kind of let go of their societal persona and be somebody different on the trail so <laughs> some of the trail name the tra- ex- really you're not you're not speaking to jen you're speaking to i don't know what my trail name would be but there were a couple different delightful. stories that people had um one guy he quit three jobs in order to just hike the appalachian trail mm-hmm. so he signed every sign-in book a wall absent without leave mm, he just fucking it. quit he just left up and left um, there was another guy who was called Last Minute, and he was going to be a day hiker, mm-hmm. and then he just kept going until he finished the trail. Whoa. <laughs> uh, Did he chipmunk. have anything? <laughs> no, yeah, he just made it, like, he bought things along the way, but yeah, yeah he just went. Uh, we'll come back to him in a second. Okay. Um, chipmunk, Mudflap, Muggle, my <laughs> oh. personal favorite, Sensitive Pigeon. Sensitive <laughs> Pigeon. Um, so and this then there was opening a, a whole new world because I was just like assuming that you just take like another like human like name, but no, these are definitely more like Tumblr handles. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh for sure. Um, and so they have these stories. There was another girl. Um, sometimes it's like your motivation for why you're on the trail or you know something about your personality. One girl was called Sunbeam and she was clearly a very sunny person. Um, another girl was Moonshadow. And she was given that name by a friend who died. The, oh. um, the three friends were supposed to go hiking. Uh-huh. And Moonshadow and her partner, I think his name was Brad. I We didn't learn his trail name. Oh, um, I thought that was his trail name. Right, Moonshadow no. and Brad. Right. Maybe that is the case. I mean, it wasn't clear. Yeah. Um, they were hiking, carrying the ashes of this friend who was supposed to go with them. Oh. And they were leaving ashes along the way. That's precious. I know. So hang on, I gotta have. Okay, I'm fine. Get a sniffle in there. Uh. Uh. Um. So Jen, if you were to pick a trail name, what would your trail name be? I knew this question was coming. Of course, it was. I was like really trying hard. So my my classic Zang. If you're going by the you know what was your Tumblr name rule? My my Zanga name back in the day was Juniper Tree. Oh, I like that. I feel like that one would be pretty good. I like that a lot, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not going to tell you guys 
my was, Tumblr what was name. Your Tumblr name? <laughs> you know. I do. Uh, so my Tumblr name and my Reddit handle I still use, and it's like the little bit of anonymity I still get to have in this world. Right. Yeah, I'm feeling I'm feeling weird about releasing that information. Juniper tree. Yeah. I don't think. I still um, use but it. I will tell you my. I don't know if I've already said this on the podcast, um, but my focus this year to like get better mm-hmm. is all about dandelions. So oh, yes, dandelions, uh, they're one of the first things to show up after the winter. So they're going to get there. They're going to get the job done. Mm-hmm. Dandelions uh, are often associated with granting wishes, which I like. Yeah. You frequently weave them into crowns and play childhood mm-hmm. games with them. Also on brand. They'll prickle you if you fuck with them too much. Yeah. Uh, but they're also very hard to kill. Uh-huh. And so, like, how much more Kate Reed could a certain flower be? Oh, yeah. and many people consider them a weed. And you can eat their leaves. And <laughs> make them into a pretty fucking dope-ass wine. Wow. Yeah. All right. Right? Yeah. The most dandelion. Yeah. So dandelion, I think, would be my, my trail name. Yeah. I like that. I like that for you. Thank you. Hard to kill. <laughs> um, so... Hard kill. <laughs> we'll call you dandelion hard kill. Dandelion hard kill. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so some of the things that the trail, like I said, it's under attack. It's hard to maintenance. Um, it's, we are losing public land in the United States, uh, often to corporations and um, business interests. Mm-hmm. Um, so we also are affected greatly by climate change. We are losing massive populations of trees in the U.S. Uh, Fraser ferns, the American elm, the American chestnut, uh, acid rain is killing our streams. We're losing brook trout. Mm. Farming runoff also killing our streams. Um, and and uh, we almost lost the peregrine falcon population to DDT. Wow. Um, yeah, which fortunately is illegal, but that's only one one type of um, pesticide that is, mm-hmm. you know, why are we losing all the bees? Well, probably because of all the pesticides. Um, so there's a lot of things that are challenging the Appalachian Trail, uh, it might not be there forever. We have to work pretty hard to preserve it. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to make a quick side note. Uh, hiking the Appalachian Trail is also uh, a terminology, a little uh, a little slang. Mm-hmm. There was, I believe, a governor of some Appalachian state uh, who <laughs> went missing suddenly for six days. What? Yeah. Uh, nobody could figure out where he was. Did he pull it and- Agatha Christie? A little bit. Um, he he went missing. Nobody knew where he was for six days. And all of his staff was like, oh, he's hiking the Appalachian Trail. Oh, he's hiking the Appalachian Trail. He was a thousand percent in Brazil with his mistress. <laughs> so now hiking the Appalachian Trail is uh, kind Are of a sign off for, yeah, you're going to go have an affair. <laughs> I'm going to go hike the Appalachian Trail. Right. Um, there are also, like I said, a lot of threats to the hikers of the Appalachian Trail. Uh, animals are not a joke. Black bears mm. um, are a huge threat. The entire area is populated with black bears. Um, did you know black bears can run 64 miles an hour? That's terrifying. I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, they can go as fast as a fucking car if they're motivated enough. Mm, don't like that. It's very upsetting. Mm-hmm. Now, for the most part, especially um, northern black bears, which tend to be a little smaller, mm-hmm. black bears are not much of a threat to humans. They don't typically attack. Yeah. Uh, they're, they tend to be scaredy cats. I think I saw in my research that, like, I don't think, at least in the park I was looking at, I don't think any deaths were attributed to black bears. So at that high of an elevation, I would severely doubt it because it's yeah. all going to be sandy and dry. 
Um, you're not going to find bears in areas like that. You'll find copperheads or, um, sorry, diamondbacks. <gasps> you know, the snakes. The snakes are not a joke. Snakes can just mm-mm. fuck right off forever. Yep. Yep. Can they? Yes, indeed. And How I dare know they look like a penis? People have cute pet snakes and fine, good for you. Yes. I, however... I actually do like a domesticated noodle. <laughs> Yes, I th- I've seen some pictures of domesticated pet snakes that look very cute. Danger they wear noodles, little hats, little snacks, whatever. I love them. Out in the wild, get it's fuck out of here. Fuck yep. out of here. <laughs> no. Get your legless, armless bullshit away from me. Will I ever voluntarily hold a snake? No. Absolutely if you put enough not. tequila in me, I absolutely will and have. I would never. Don't like it. I've touched them before. It's just, mm-mm, don't like it. I understand, but I'm friends with the rockabilly reptiles, and so I I get drunk and hold snakes sometimes. It's just I have a healthy respect for them, and that includes me um, not touching them. (laughs) Yeah. Well, black bears aren't the only threat. Um, Depending on where you are uh, along the trail, you'll find bobcats, you'll find panthers, Mm. uh, moose if you're far enough north, gray foxes, da moosen, yeah, that's a moose. Um, badgers. Badgers will attack a human. Do not underestimate. Yeah, do not. No. Deer. Deer are a huge threat to human beings. Mm-hmm. Raccoons are less of a threat, um, but raccoons and mice can be uh, germ vectors, disease vectors. Yeah. Rabies. Um, yeah. Um, one of the only small woodland creatures you don't really have to fear is the possum. Can't oh, get rabies. The one that everyone's terrified of. Yeah, it's got a huge fucking mouth. How do you, can you blame them? <laughs> Speaking of TikToks, that one where the... <laughs> Have you seen the one where there's like a kid with a with a possum being like, "Hey, look at this possum. He's really cool." And this this guy's reacting to it, like duetting it. And every time the possum gets, comes on screen, he just like screams bloody murder. I really like, hope somebody sends that to like, me. Wow, that's really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry if I just destroyed the audio track. Oh, I love it. Anyway. Well, like I said, snakes are a big problem, um, but snakes are also the solution to a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, snakes eat rodents. Rodents yep. are two main disease vectors, and that is deer ticks, which carry Lyme, mm. typically jump from rodents to humans uh, in small areas. And um, also rodents are drawn to the lean-tos, where they can also get coverage from the outside. Um, some of these rodents are carrying a certain disease, and I'm, I'm sorry, I, I forgot to write down what it was. Um, but basically, the disease uh, creates a fungus in their feces that the spores mm. are then inhaled by humans and can can kill them. Oh, I don't like that. Yeah, uh, it, it like this rots is just your doing heart a valves. great job of like deterring keeping me you the from hell indoors ever hiking yep. again. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, Lyme disease, if you're not familiar with it, uh, attacks your organs. It can leave you at the bare minimum with exhaustion, um, but it also can paralyze you. It can make you a quadriplegic. Uh, It can also fucking kill you. So Mm. Lyme disease is not a joke. Uh, You can get it from deer ticks. Um, Not a joke. And there are lots of deer ticks. Okay. So nature can kill you. There are poisonous fungus. There's poison. You can have, you can get lost in a mudslide, in a rock slide. You can Mm. drown. Yeah. Um, you can get lost (laughs) or you can get eaten by cannibals yeah Um, so I really want to take us back to that idea that Scotland and the Appalachian Mountains are related uh, and that idea that the British people made fun of Appalachian um, (laughs) because it was their hatred of the Scots and and the wild rugged you know you couldn't trust the Scots 
Um, if you are familiar with some of the folklore around Scotland, you might be familiar with the name Sawney Bean. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Sawney Bean is also covered in an episode of My Favorite Murder. Oh, One okay. of the very early episodes. Uh-huh. Um, Sawney Bean was supposed to be an incestuous, um, cannibalistic Highlander who grabbed uh, British people traveling the Her, Her Majesty's highways, mm. uh, pulled them into caves, and ate them. Listen, I, like, late past few years, I just want to fight all English people, and I'm very sorry if you were I mean, English, but, like... We don't really have a leg to stand on, though. We don't, but it's it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, I hate America until some English person is like, yeah, America sucks. And then I'm like, fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. I bleed red, white, and blue. Yeah. yeah. Bleed red, red, white, and blue hot dogs till I die. Fourth of July is my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I don't actually hate all English people. It's just when they act like they're better than us. Right. Yeah, when really we are exactly the same. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, Sonny Bean... Uh, is directly related to this idea that the mountains of Appalachia are filled with cannibal incestuous. And I know, I know mm-hmm. we've all been out there making jokes about like, mm-hmm. oh, what is, you know, um, what's the difference between a um, West Virginia man's girlfriend and his sister? Nothing. <laughs> we all make those jokes. And there's a reason that those jokes exo- exist. We're going to talk about that in just a yeah. second. So um, these cannibals, uh, these stories came out and um, they are, you know, they're grabbing people at park entrances. They're mm-hmm. screaming in the night. They're attacking people from their cabins or tents. You're yeah. very vulnerable in the woods and it's something to think about. Um, they're feasting on blood they're having blood ritual in the 1930s there is uh reports that goes through and this is substantiated in newspapers about um honorific cannibalism of Mm. dead people in the appalachian mountains so these people as a way to revere their dead would eat part of them and take that into their bodies and they developed this taste for human flesh so we're othering we're othering we're Mm. othering um and so uh, we see that um, idea of cannibalism come up again uh, with stories, and you can find this on Reddit as well, um, the story of people with, how do I say this? So it's a, it's a denigration. It's, it's, um, it's a way to talk about black people in America. Mm. They describe their mouths, the flesh of their mouths as being blue. And that's all I'm going to hmm. say because it is, I, you know, we don't need to know exactly what the term is. Right. Um, okay. So this idea was that there was cannibalistic Africans. Uh, I'm, I'm, oh. So let me take that sentence again. Okay. Well, no, I don't have to. They were cannibalistic Africans and then those traditions were passed down in slavery mm-hmm. uh, amongst black African Americans and then eventually just black Americans. Um, who also practice this cannibalism. Well, a lot of this is in the South where slavery was highly practiced. There Uh was a value to society keeping people afraid of black people. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that's like the birth of a birth of the nation. Birth of a nation, exactly. Exactly. So this idea that blue flesh is somehow related to cannibalism actually does have another link though 
Um, and that is actually in the mountains of Kentucky. Uh-huh. Uh, we have the Blue Fugits. They were an, uh, a largish family that settled in the early 1800s in Kentucky mountains, and they became quite isolated. And in that isolation, the local gene pools shrank, mm-hmm. which is to say that they were heavily inbred. Mm-hmm. And along with this inbred came the passing of a very rare gene that caused a blue tint in the mucosal membranes mm-hmm. and extremities and sometimes yeah like around the mouth mouth is mucosal um and it's metho something i if you look it up online guys you can search blue fugate and you'll see like a 16 word 16 letter word for metho something that's (laughs) a scientific name Mm -hmm. so anyways these guys were actually inbred that's another Mm -hmm. form of othering Mm -hmm. because they didn't really have a choice or Mm -hmm. maybe they were making a choice i'm not i'm not here to cast judgment but they were othered. Mm-hmm. And they did have that blue tinge. So you can see how these things kind of get pulled together. Um, we see some of this uh, this fear of the other and fear of people with blue mouths in The Sound and the Fury. Uh, mm-hmm. The racist epithet is used in that book. Um, and so we know that this was a really prevalent idea in the 1930s throughout the South. Yeah. But it's not huh. just about... It's like african-americans but also certain yeah. groups also of white certain people? white people absolutely this was okay. not just you could be afraid of both groups so what right. else was happening <laughs> yeah. in america in the 1930s uh the great depression yes and um migration the great migration yes and they were we were mixing communities that hadn't mixed before fear of the other depression uh-huh. people uh-huh. uh are doing desperate things for money uh-huh. what else the dust bowl pro <laughs> prohibition Wait. yes prohibition oh i mean yeah wait when so, did that end prohibition ends in the early 30s i think 1933 oh, right. okay. yeah it's like 26 to 33 27 yeah. somewhere in there gotcha um so prohibition the mountains of tennessee were known for what <gasps> moonshine and whiskey baby yeah. yeah so if you have a whiskey operation up in the woods up in the mountains mm-hmm. do you want a bunch of people up there Fuck now. Are you going to tell a bunch of stories to keep them out of there? Yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. So this idea, okay, maybe there are cannibals. I'm not sure. I'm not willing to completely dismiss it, especially if Luke says it's real. I would be interested to hear his stories and why he believes it. Oh, Luke's a great storyteller. If he comes home this summer, I will uh, have you over. Yeah. He wants to write a book. I think I might just like transcribe it for him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there was a value in keeping people away. So they spread these stories. They took these outlandish tales of cannibals in the wilderness and they used them to fear fear monger and keep people mm. away. Mm. Uh, and so I think that's where some of this comes from. I like that idea more than like, I mean, I think it's a lot more fun if the groups are like doing it, like spreading those rumors about themselves to be like... Yes. Or, like, not about themselves directly, but, like, being like, oh, yeah, don't come here. There's cannibals or whatever the fuck, you know? Like, right. It's much more fun than, like, people being racist as fuck. Right. So. Exactly. I mean, I'm sure it's a combination of all of those things. Like, I don't, yeah, who knows how these things spread. Right. Now, I will say, um, Jen, this show is not called This Podcast is Hiking. Oh. It is This Podcast is Haunted. Mm-hmm. And I do have... 
a story of a possible ghost (gasps) from the trail. Yes, yes, yes. Now, there are actually a number of ghost stories from the trail and cryptid stories and monster stories Mm -hmm. and human monster stories. Uh, I am unsure which category this one falls into. Mm -hmm. So um, the story is not an original for me. I found it in two places. It would have been repeated. Um, One second. BlueRidgeOutdoors.com, Appalachian mm-hmm. Trail Ghost Story, a good-natured ghost story to tell at the campfire. I don't know how good-natured this is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I did not care for it at all. Oh. <laughs> so the story is of a lone thru-hiker. Mm-hmm. And he is uh, in the mountains. He doesn't exactly say where. Mm-hmm. But he's alone. Yeah. And it's storming and he's tired and he sets up his camp. And he hears somebody, human footsteps, walking around his camp all night. Mm. He doesn't have a gun. He doesn't have a weapon of any kind. um, But he does feel very much like he's being stalked. And so he gets through the night, Mm -hmm. wakes up at first dawn, and he gets the fuck out of there. Mm -hmm. Um, It's an eerily quiet day that day. All of the birds are quiet. And he keeps hearing twigs break just behind him Oh, I don't as like he's that. traveling up the trail. Uh-huh. That night, he sets up camp again, and he has a good fire going, and he vows to sit up and see if something is coming for him. Mm. And he's stretching, and he's yawning, and he looks, and something comes out of the woods, and it has long white fingers. What? And it seems to be wearing some sort of plaid shirt that's all ripped and torn and burned. Uh And it reaches down, and it's going to grab some of his firewood, and he, rather than fight it, he screams, he scares it off. Mm. He damps his fire, collects his things, and he is running through the night. And something is screaming and breaking things behind him. It sounds like he's in chase. Hmm. Until finally he breaks out of the uh, the wilderness into a meadow where things are nice and open. Mm-hmm. And he sets up his camp again, falls asleep, uh, knowing that he can see and there's nothing for anybody to hide behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next morning he wakes up and he... Uh, follows this meadow to a road. He can see a he can see a road. Signs of humanity. Goes to the road, and there he sees um, a sheriff sheriff's car, and the sheriff is um, on the side of the road in front of a burned uh, location, a burned mm-hmm. house, and he says, "Help! Help! Help! Something's chasing me. Um, you know, I I don't know." I don't know where it came from. I don't know what to do. It didn't quite look human. It has these long fingers and these white eyes. And it's, and the man says, the sheriff says, wait, 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 what did you see? The people whose house burned down said the fire was started by something meeting that description. <gasps> Whoa. Yeah. Sorry. I've given myself chills. I don't care for it. Could be human. Mm-hmm. Could be not. Mm-hmm. They weren't sure. Uh, they never find out, but he never goes back to the Appalachian Trail. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. So cryptids, cannibals, there's so much out there. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I don't, I don't, maybe I believe in the cannibals. I don't know. Uh, Luke I mean, says yes, but society says no. Listen, I think people in a desperate situation are going to do what people who are desperate do. 
I don't, I don't know if I'm by that there's just like a group of feral people running around eating people, but like, I don't know. I, I would be, I would be very interested to hear his stories. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Jeff, do we have a listener story? Yes. Yes, we do. Um, so this one I pulled from the archives of 2019. Um, so <laughs> going on back. That's not, that's not important, but anyway, um, so this one um, comes from, they, they asked that we call them D. So D writes, um, I was visiting my younger sister in Birmingham, Alabama in 2010, one week to go to an HIM concert, right? That's Oh, yeah. That's, okay. I was like, you don't say him, right? I'm not. I'm not I don't I'm, think so. I'm not. I cool. was never a fan. Okay. Yeah. I think it's HIM. Um, in Atlanta. I drove up Sunday afternoon, leaving the husband and daughter behind. The concert was on Monday night, and he was able to work it out with his job to handle the school situation, so I was free for a couple of days to enjoy going on my first solo trip ever at 34. That's exciting. Going, going, Traveling by yourself is like a whole different thing. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, I arrived at her house, which was built in the early 1960s, and we hung out and caught up since we hadn't seen each other in a bit. I was to sleep in a room with an early 20s waterfall bedroom suite. Cool. Uh, complete with a vanity with a big round mirror. Oh, I, I wonder where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> ah, sounds like why I'm afraid of my bed set. Um, at bedtime, I covered the mirror because eep. Yeah, okay, that's smart. And I plugged in the nightlight because I was 34 going on five and crashed. <laughs> Fast forward. This is to- our people. This yes, is our people. Yes. Yes, I, I agree. Um, fast forward to the next morning, my sister was in the kitchen washing dishes and getting ready to make us breakfast and said with no intro, you've got a ghost. Oh. Is it, ma'am, is this breakfast. your house? It is nine in the morning, ma'am. <laughs> ma'am, isn't this your house? And shouldn't you maybe have warned uh, <laughs> your sister before this happened? Um, anyway, she dropped her dishes, turned around, uh, flinging dish soap bubbles everywhere, a shocked look on her face. Oh, wait. Oh. Oh, oh we've got I the wrong said, pronoun going here. We've I got the wrong said person. with no intro, you've got a ghost. Okay, okay. So you're telling your sister whose house this is. That yes, she's I'm there. Okay. okay. I was confused. You don't have to be smart. We're pretty. <laughs> yes. She dropped the dishes, turned around, shocked on her face. I didn't even tell you about it yet. How did you know? You Did you see it? Okay, now I say, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> a little warning, please. Yeah, don't. I mean, this is something you should maybe warn your guests about. Um, apparently, the ghost, who clearly knew I was, I hesitate to name it, but I guess sensitive is the best word, mm-hmm. and, and came to have uh, a lively conversation with me before. What? Okay. Apparently, the, the ghost, ghost came to have a conversation. Came to have a conversation with me before I fell asleep. Oh, wow. I really do hesitate to name it, but I can describe it. It's like being a piece of paper in a typewriter. Someone (gasps) comes by and just types whatever they want. Or like someone comes along and just uploads a new program onto the hard drive. I don't see things. I don't hear things. Information just just pops into my head. (gasps) I love it. Okay. Anyway, I relay yeah, to sometimes my. Sometimes you just know stuff. Sorry, 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 sorry. No, 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 it's fine. I, I, I just speed through these things so, mm. so much. Um, okay. Anyway, I relay to my sister what the ghost relayed to me, and we had a great time talking about it, what I felt about it, and what she had been experiencing over the past few weeks. 
We went to the concert that night. I had a blast. Her at the time boyfriend had a blast. Her not so much. Not her chosen genre of music, but she was a trooper. And I left the following morning for my four-hour drive back home. Fast forward a few days and she calls me so excited. She has confirmation on the things that I told her. Okay. This, okay, thank you. Because I was like, girl, what did they say? (laughs) Okay, so... Turns out her ghost was the landlord's daughter who had passed away 10 years prior from cancer. Oh, sad. That's sad. The house was the home that she was born and raised in, and the remaining family lived in the area. The parents directly behind the house my sister was renting um, is where they live, I presume. Mm -hmm. I mentioned the waterfall suite earlier because at at first I thought the ghost was attached to it. Oddly enough, it did have a connection to the family. It was the landlord's grandma's suite. Uh, My sister was wowed and I was a little overwhelmed because that is the first time I had confirmation for my experience that I've had so far. That's crazy. Um... Anyway, um, ba, 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 ba. this is one of the few stories I can send y'all's way, but it's kind of my favorite, so here it is. I also have one about scary ghosts due to my dad-in-law's basement, as well as a UFO story and a cryptid, but one step at a time. Yo, send them all. My goodness. Um, yeah. So, oh, also, um, I also want to add that I very much appreciate everyone who has pitched into my GoFundMe. This was, remember, back in 2019. Yeah. That I started in early May. Your generosity has given me a boost, and I'm ready to get my butt to chemo. Stay Yay. spooky. Love so, it. yeah, I'm, I'm glad that worked out, and I hope you're doing okay. Um, I know it's been a while, but. Yeah, it has. Um, it's been that. a wild couple of years. Yeah, thank you for sending that in. Utterly fantastic. I feel very good. Yes. Yeah. Um, and that is all we have. Um, if you want to check us out on Patreon, we are patreon.com slash this podcast is haunted. Um, we released um, our last, our February video was we did a haunted house hunters. So check that out. It's so fun. If not already. Uh, you know, I'm terrible at uh, communicating <laughs> on social media and like, so this is my, this is my announcement to you all. <laughs> um but we really appreciate we really appreciate everyone who um gives money to our patreon that means so much to us um and but if you don't have the money that's fine you can hang out with us on free social media where i'm bad at communicating but i will respond to things i'm a little bit better if it's facebook you're probably talking to me yeah if it's instagram or um Twitter, Twitter, which we use less frequently, yeah. uh, you're probably talking to Jen. So yeah, if you talk um, to us, I'll respond. I'm just not good at doing the official posts. <laughs> yeah, it's not that it's not that Jen doesn't want to talk to you. It's that she forgets things. Yeah, uh, because she's super fucking busy right now. So yeah. so anyway. <laughs> anyway, yeah, we are super grateful, especially to people who can, um, you know, even if you don't support us monetarily, supporting the show, telling mm-hmm. other people about the show is huge for us, and we really appreciate it. Um, and I think. Jen, with that, we'll see y'all in a fortnight. Mm-hmm. Yep. And until then, stay spooky, motherfuckers. But I am.